and stubble away under the faucet, and then traced the plastic disposable across his chin, careful to scrape off every whisker. It was a big day. He had to look good. Satisfied all facial hair was gone, and forever part of the Queens County sewer system, he splashed cold water on his cheeks, mouth, and neck, and studied himself in the mirror. Rich knew he wasn't a traditionally handsome man, not like the guys you saw in the movies anyway. But he had his father's chin, and it was a damn good one. Hell, the Marlboro man would kill for his jaw. It was solid. Granite. It not only gave his face character, but had held up in at least a half-dozen scrapes, and it wagged a mile a minute so he could talk his way out of a half-dozen more. Other than a cream-colored 1977 Pontiac Grand Prix and a leather tool belt, the jawline was the only thing his father had left him when he and Rich's mother were killed. When shaving, Rich would sometimes stare at himself, unaware of the minutes passing. If he looked deeply enough and blocked out his peripheral vision, the image in the mirror would morph, and soon Rich would find his father looking back at him. His old man would stare silently, almost with wonder at how his little boy had grown up so big. The father's eyes always loving, but also burdened with the slight weight of melancholia. Then, and always too soon, his father's image would slowly fade away, leaving nothing behind but the reflection of a much younger version of the man, shrouded in a thin film of steam rising up from the sink. Towel wrapped around his waist, Rich padded on his wet feet across the hallway's hardwood floor and entered his small bedroom to find his Uncle Jimmy laying a tie flat across the bed. Next to the tie was a pair of tan slacks and a white button-down shirt. All the clothes still had the tags on them. Whoa, Jack LaLanne, Jim Morrow joked jabbing his nephew a few times in the chest. I remember when I could take you down. Oh, you can still take me, Unc. Rich lied. The truth was, Rich was built like a brick shithouse, five foot ten and two hundred pounds of muscle. He wasn't one of those guys who looked like they worked out, all biceps and six-packs. In fact, he hadn't been inside a gym in years. When you worked construction, you didn't need a gym. Every day was a workout. He just had that trademark stocky, fireplug frame that was embedded in the genetic code of so many Italian men. What's this? Rich asked, pointing to the clothes. Oh, that's nothing. Just, you know, first day of work and all. Rich picked up the shirt and inspected the tag. Merleys? Rich scolded. We can't afford clothes from Merleys. We don't need to afford them. I bought them. Fine, Rich countered. Then you can't afford clothes from Merleys. We're returning them. Jim grabbed the shirt and the pants and ripped the tags off each. With a defiant smile, he tore the tags up and sprinkled the little pieces over his nephew's head like confetti. The shirt is going on your back. The pants are going on your ass. And as for the tie, you have a choice. Either the tie or my hands are going around your neck. You decide. Rich brushed the paper from his hair. Fine. 
but no lottery tickets for two months. Deal, Jim smirked. But that doesn't even cover the cost of the tie. Shop, huh? Rich looked at the tie lying on his bed. It was too skinny and had a paisley pattern that had been out of fashion since forever. It was hideous. Shop is attack. I love it, he said, giving his 64-year-old uncle a kiss on the cheek. Thank you. Jim's face flushed with pride, partly for his nephew and partly for having been able to walk into that snooty Merleys, pick out an outfit, and pay for it in cash. Jim would never admit it, but buying those clothes was one of the biggest thrills of his life. About thirty years earlier, when he worked for Garibaldi Construction, he had helped build the five-store commercial strip where Merleys was located. He'd hung the drywall, done the ceilings, he even came up with the...